You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. Hey, do you have your Bibles? I want to invite you to turn with me to Titus, to this wonderful little book in the New Testament. First and Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, uh, Hebrews. We have been going through a series, this is our fourth week, on biblically healthy church. What does it mean to be a biblically healthy church? I'm not preaching this message because I believe that we are a biblically unhealthy church. I just always believe that no matter how good you are, you can always get better. And uh, it's not that we want to focus on the negatives. I want to focus on what we can do as a church corporately, what we can do individually to be all that God has called us to be. That's my desire. Isn't that your desire as well? That individually you would be all that God has, has desired for you to be. That should be the desire for, for every single one of us. Now, if that's the desire for every single one of us individually, it should be the desire for every single one of us as a, as a corporate body of believers. We, we ought to desire that this church be, be as biblically healthy as possible and as we are praying for lost people to come and hear the gospel preach as we are sending out church members into your circle of influences to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We want, we want that to be fueled by a biblically healthy ministry. And so this book of Titus, uh, this letter from the Apostle Paul written to his son in the faith, Titus, uh, gives us very clear instructions on what it is to be a biblically healthy church. Starts with the biblically healthy leaders, uh, then moves into preaching and teaching solid biblical truth, and, uh, and, and, and then what does it look like to be a biblically healthy member? And that's what we're going to look at today. Part two of biblically healthy members in a biblically healthy church. So, if you will, join with me, Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 11. Listen to what Paul says to Titus, and ultimately uh, to us as well. Words inspired by God. Listen to what he says, For the grace of God has appeared. Let me just say on the front end, I want you to write this over those two words, grace of God, three words. The grace of God is not a what. The grace of God is a who. And His name is Jesus. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, verse 12, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age while we wait underscore those three words in verse 13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for Himself a people for His own possession, eager to do good works. Now look at verse 15. Proclaim these things. Paul is saying, really in context, from, from chapter 2, verse 11, or actually, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 10, all the way down to chapter 2, verse 14, he is saying, 
proclaim these things, teach these things, instruct these things, encourage and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Father, speak to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, do what only you can do. Father, there's possibly people within the sound of my voice who are lost and and will spend eternity in hell if they don't hear, if they don't receive this wonderful message of redemption. Father, you have purchased us. You have redeemed us. You have made available salvation to every single person. Oh God, I pray that every person within the sound of my voice that does not know you would accept that free gift this morning. God, we plead that people would be saved today. It's in your son's precious and holy name I pray. Amen. I asked you to underscore verse 13, those three words, while we wait. Because that is really the context of our verse this morning, while we wait. What do we do while we wait? We talked a little bit about this in our Authentic Disciple uh, series a couple of months back. What do we do in this in-between time of Jesus' ascension and, and His appearing? Well, the Scripture tells us what we are to do while we wait. You know, we're pretty good at waiting. We wait all the time, right? We, we wait on traffic. Around here is not many, much traffic except for trains, right? We wait on trains. What do you do while you wait? We wait at doctor's offices. Uh, we wait uh, on our spouse to get ready. We wait on our children to get ready. Our children wait on parents to stop talking. Uh, we, we wait. We're, we're professional waiters. We do it every single day. I can remember this. I mean, when our, our kids were riddle, really little, I would, had a, a, a bunch of teenagers over at our house. We were having a Bible study. I was young, and I was cool, and I had two little boys. And um, our, our youngest one was in that stage of going to the restroom by himself. Uh, But he was in the very beginning stages of going to the restroom by himself. And I remember thinking, I am going to go outside the bathroom door. I'm going to give him his privacy. I'm going to go outside the bathroom door and I'm going to wait on him because I know what's coming when he's finished. And I want to continue to be the cool youth guy teaching these teenagers the Word of God. I don't want them to think I'm uncool. So I'm going to go and I'm going to stand outside the door and I'm going to wait. And as I was waiting, I got distracted. I kind of forgot what I was waiting on. And then those words that I did not want the youth to hear came loudly out of the bathroom. Daddy, I'm finished. Come wipe me. <laughs> ah, I was no longer the cool youth guy. Now I'm wiping my son. <laughs> I, I, was, I failed at waiting. But as we grow, we become professional waiters. Just last week, we were supposed to be flying to Birmingham to the Southern Baptist Convention. Planes got off schedule because of a storm in Dallas. And Kim and I waited nine and a half hours at Houston Airport. 
Do you know how the, 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 the love airport, not, not the big airport, the small airport. We waited. We, we became professional waiters that day. And here's what I've learned in waiting and reading people who are successful in ministry, successful in life, is that they take waiting opportunities and turn them into useful, productive opportunities. You say they don't, they don't see waiting as a disruption to their schedule. They see waiting as an opportunity to hone their craft, to hone what, what God has called them to do. And this is what the Apostle Paul is giving us instructions on what to do. He says, while you wait, you see, there, there is a time. We, you, know, you know what it's like to wait between paydays? You're, 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 you're anxiously waiting for that moment. You know what it's like? I, I don't know if, if your home like growing up was like this, but I, I remember when I would get in trouble or hearing, most times it was when my brothers got in trouble, not me. When we got in trouble, my mom would always say, just wait till daddy comes home. I hated that statement, right? I mean, if I hear, like I'm in Walmart and I hear a parent say that, you just wait till I tell, I, I get nervous. I'm like, I, I begin to shake. I, I, I hate, just, just wait till daddy comes home. Can I tell you something? Just, daddy's coming back. What are we doing while we are waiting for our daddy, Jesus Christ, to return? The Apostle Paul gives us incredible instruction. Look at what he says in verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared. Again, this is a who, not a what. And sometimes in our, not sometimes, often in cultural Christianity, we get this, we get this turned upside down. We believe the grace of God is a what, not a who. And we're seeking the what's from God instead of the who. And that's Jesus Christ. The grace of God is a who, and it is Jesus. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Listen, Jesus Christ ushered the opportunity for salvation. This was radical news. This isn't just for the Jews. It's, it's also for the Gentiles. This is for every people, every group of people, every race of People, salvation has come. It is available. Now, not everybody's going to accept it. Not everybody is going to, to cry out for salvation. But the grace of God has made available salvation for all people. Now, look at verse 12. Instructing us to deny godliness. His appearing. Jesus' appearing is bringing salvation to all people, but it's also instructing, it's, it's training us. It's educating us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live, training, instructing us to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. That's today. In this present age. This is what we are to be doing while we wait. For the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So notice this healthy statement. I want you to look at this on the screen. The healthy church member statement. A biblically healthy church member, church has church members who recognize their role in advancing the gospel 
by training. By training. For, uh, that's the wrong screen, I apologize. For training and or to deny godliness, godlessness, and worldly lusts. Turn, turn over to 1 Timothy. Just go back. If you, if you turn back one page from Titus, you'll be in 2 Timothy. Go back one more book. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. This is what Paul, it's a very similar scenario. Paul is writing to his son, Timothy. And he's saying, have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself. Be disciplined in godliness. Train yourself. Be, be disciplined. That word train yourself is literally the word gymnasium. Hit the gym spiritually. This is what we are to do while we are waiting for Christ's return. We hit the gym. We train. We discipline ourselves in godliness. So while we wait, a healthy church member trains ourselves to not only train ourselves in godliness that we saw in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, but we go back to our text, is we train ourselves by denying godlessness. This is what we are to do, to, to deny godlessness. What's, what comes very normal and natural for us in our sin nature, the Apostle Paul, inspired by God, is saying, listen, while you wait, you've been... You've, you, you've, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. While you wait for His return, it's not just go back to the, to the things as normal. Train yourself to deny godlessness. Now, what is godlessness? Godlessness is anything that you and I cannot invite God in and God would bless. I want you to think about your activity this past week or activity that you have planned for the next week. Can God bless that activity? I'd love to get very specific here, but because we have a wide range of audiences, it would, get, it would spend, spend too much time. But think about your activity. Can God bless that? Can God bless that in your marriage? Can God bless that in your work? Can God bless that in your, in your, in your hobbies? Can God anoint that activity? If the answer is no, then that is godlessness. And while we wait, the Apostle Paul is saying, train yourself, <clears throat> hit the gym, <clears throat> be disciplined to deny godlessness. What else? To deny godlessness and worldly lusts. It's in contrast to God-honoring desires, cravings. I want you to hear I want you to hear what Paul I want you to hear the grace in this statement. This is not this is not legalism in this statement. If we're having to deny something, he's saying this is something that comes very natural to the sinful nature. This it, it's something that comes very easy. Not every activity, not every easy activity is sinful. But can I tell you, every sinful activity is easy. It, it's not hard 
to get involved in godlessness. It, that, that, that comes rather easy. Sinful activity is easy. And the Apostle Paul, in his grace, he's saying, listen, while we wait, we, we deny godlessness. We deny worldly lusts. But we don't just deny we live, follow, follow along with me in verse 12, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, literally a self-control or a sober-mindedness. To live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way. Look over, just if you'll turn to the right from, from Titus, go, you'll go to Philemon and then Hebrews. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11 is the heroes of the faith. It's just a, a, it's, it's a who's who's list of people who were faithful. Old Testament saints who were faithful. And then in verse 12, or I'm sorry, in chapter 12, verse 1. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses, this large crowd of, of faithful saints surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance in the sense that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. I believe that Paul would point us to is that, is that we, we run the race, and as you run the race, you don't, you don't weight yourself down with things that will slow you down. You, 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 you take off, and we're, we're running for righteousness. That's what he says here, to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way. Listen, our Righteousness literally means to be right with God in relationship, watch this, and fellowship. It's, you, you can't be out of fellowship with God and be right with God. You definitely can't be out of relationship with God and be right with Him. So how do we, how do we stay righteous? Our sin, our sin must be repented of on a moment-by-moment basis. Listen, our sin grows moldy the second we commit it. And our repentance must stay fresh. Here's the Apostle Paul saying, a healthy church member trains themselves as they are waiting to deny godlessness and worldly lust and to live sensible, righteous, and in a godly way. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12. I'll tell you what, skip down to verse 25. Skip down to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. It says this, not, not everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. 
I'm sorry. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown. But we, an imperishable crown. You know what the Apostle Paul is saying there to to this young church? We train. Things haven't changed a lot, have they? We train for things that get dusty. For things that rust. For titles that people will forget. For levels of expertise that someone will come behind us and beat. We train. We're we're used to training. But look at what he says. Everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown. But we, Christians, we're training. We're we're hitting the gym. We're, We're being disciplined. Not for a perishable crown, but an imperishable crown. So he says in verse 26, So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and I bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. The Apostle Paul gives us incredible, incredible instructions of priority. We can can train, we we can be involved in all kinds of things in our daily life. But they are perishable. We must. We we have to, church, spend time and recognize the level of importance of training in righteousness. Live, literally, to, to walk out, to live your life in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing, I mean, look, look, look at the picture of this, while we wait, as, as we are waiting, you, you've, you've accepted Jesus Christ, and a day is coming where Christ is going to come back and get you, while you wait for that blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. There's some tension here. Some tension between grace, saved by grace, through faith, right? Not by, not by works so that anyone can boast. We looked at that text last week, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. We're saved by grace through faith. But James, the brother of Jesus, says faith without works is what? Dead. You see, you see the, 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 the training, the willingness to hit the gym, to deny godliness and worldly lusts, to live for righteous, sober-mindedness is a discipline that we must grow in. We must be willing to train for. It is the, it is the fruit of a follower of Christ. So why? 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 I think I've answered this, but verse 14 is an absolutely gorgeous text. Why why train for righteousness? As a healthy church member trains ourselves. Verse 14, because He gave Himself. Speaking of Jesus, how, how did Jesus give Himself? 
by going to the cross. He gave himself for us. Don't, don't miss this. Don't, don't, don't grow weary of hearing this. Don't let it just kind of uh, be water off the back. Listen, he, he gave himself for us. Now watch this. To redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession. I, I asked, asked 34 people this, this past week. Just sent them a text and an email and I said, hey, what, what does it mean to be redeemed? What, what emotions come up? What, what thoughts come when you hear that you have been redeemed? I, I believe I received a, about a dozen responses. And I was blown away. There were absolutely beautiful responses to that question. What, what, what emotions come up when, when you hear that you have been redeemed? There was a recurring theme through, through almost every single one. Ten of, the, ten of the twelve, there was a recurring theme. And that recurring theme was, was in awe. Hard to believe. Uh, humbled with some of their phrases. Why? why? Why would God look at me and choose to send Jesus Christ to redeem me? To purchase me? What, what does that word mean, to be redeemed? Literally, it means to be rescued. Jesus gave Himself to us to rescue us. You, do you and here's where I believe so many people have, a str- have struggled with this, is that they just don't believe they need to be rescued. And here's the reality. Sin has placed you in prison. And it's not only just placed you in prison, you have a death sentence. Sin has placed you in prison and you are on death row. The problem is, is we look around our culture and we see a lot of people doing the same exact thing, but they have the title of Christian in their name somewhere. And so they go, this is really isn't that bad. I don't need to be rescued. Christian John Doe over here is kind of doing the same thing I'm doing. I don't need to be rescued. Listen, sin captures us puts us in prison, and puts us on death row. And here's what I want you to hear. The death sentence is not lethal injection. The death sentence is not electrocution. The death sentence is not by hanging. It's not by firing squad. The death sentence is an eternity in a fiery hell. That is the death sentence. And Scripture says, while we wait, we train ourselves, we discipline ourselves for godliness, for righteousness. Why? Because we have been rescued. That's why. That's why we don't just become a Christian and we go, well, I'll just wait for eternity and I'll just live my life however we want to. That's impossible. Listen, I would question, if anybody says they can do that, I would lovingly question their salvation. I'm going to show you that here in just a moment, how I can say that. But we can't. Listen, He gave Himself for us to redeem us. Watch this, from lawlessness. He, he, he redeemed us 
He rescued us from a life of lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession. Listen, I want you to see this. You have been redeemed not just from something called hell. You've not just been redeemed from hell, but to something, and that something is purity. And for someone, and that is for Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. You've not just been redeemed from something, but you have been redeemed to something, purity, and for something, Jesus Christ. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful text verse 14 is. Watch what he says. He gave himself for us. To redeem us. This is the, oh, there, I, I can't imagine a greater motivator for us to hit the gym. Gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession. You want to see a mark of a child of God? It's the next phrase. To redeem. To cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. When I first began to study for this text, I thought for sure that was going to be an imperative command. Be eager to do good works. But it's not an imperative command. It is a definer of a child of God. Here's what he's saying. It's, it's defining someone who has been purchased. It's defining someone who has been rescued. The, 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 the qualifier, if you will, the definer of someone who has been redeemed, been rescued from an eternity as hell, is someone who is eager to do good works. What are those good works? Deny godliness and godlessness and worldly lusts. To live sensible, righteous. In a godly way. And I know what some people might be thinking. I, I, don't have, I don't have time. If you don't have time to train yourself to hit the gym spiritually, to be disciplined, to grow in the discipline of righteousness and godliness, if you don't have time, you are too busy doing other things that have no eternal value. If you was just to think through your week, let's say, and I know many of you probably spend more time doing it. Let's just say you work eight hours, just to make it easy. Eight, you work eight hours a day. You sleep eight hours a night. I know some of you maybe sleep more than that. Some of you maybe sleep less than that. You eat, let's just roughly round that up to, to two hours a day. You spend two hours, that'd be a lot, but let's just, we'll make it easy where it, we're at 18 hours. If you have children, let's just say uh, you spend five hours a day, which I don't know that anybody really spends that much time. But, I mean, if you're chasing around kids and in, in, in sports and all that, you're going to spend about five hours. That, that leaves Monday through Friday, that leaves about an hour and a half to two hours a day for you to, to have Free gratis. It's whatever you want to do with that time. Do you know that within... Let me, let me go to Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday, you, you, you're still going to sleep the same amount of time, let's say, and you're going to eat about the, the same amount of time, and you're going to spend about the same amount of time with your children, if you have children, or with your family, five hours. 
On Saturday and Sunday, you have not just an hour and a half to two hours. You have nine and a half hours on Saturday and Sunday to do with whatever you want. Do you realize that, that if the average reader can 15 minutes a day, spend 15 minutes a day, and you can read through the entire Bible in 15 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, seven days a week, 365, you can read the entire Bible. Psalm 119, verse 9. Turn there with me. I'm going to say the psalmist believes anybody under the age of 105 is a young man, all right? But if it's true for a young man, it's true for an old man or a young woman or an old woman. How can a young man keep his way pure? What? By keeping your word. Skip down to verse 11. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Step number one, if you want to train, if you want to hit the gym, while you wait for Christ's return, spend time daily in God's Word. Spend time daily in God's Word. 15 minutes a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, you can read the entire Bible. Listen, we have time. It's not an issue of time. It's not a time problem. It's a priority problem. We must, we must get our priorities straight. Second thing, if you want to train, if you want to hit the gym, is keep your repentance fresh. Keep your repentance fresh. Listen, we're going to fall. We're going to struggle. We're going to sin. We have a sinful nature, and we're, uh, we're trying to weed it out, man. We're trying to get better, right? Trying to, Romans chapter 12, verse, verse 2, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the, by the renewing of your mind. We're trying to weed out this sinful nature, but we're going to fall from time to time. Listen, keep your repentance fresh. I love this quote by Timothy Keller. I found it this past week. I believe I put it out on social media. Fear-based repentance makes us hate ourselves, but joy-based repentance makes us hate the sin. Oh, I'm telling you, if you will learn to hate the sin, I'm telling you, the sin comes less. The desire for the sin begins to go away. Oh, keep your, keep your repentance fresh. Then look at verse 15. Apostle Paul is saying to Titus, he's saying to us, proclaim these things. Teach, instruct these things. Encourage, rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Listen, I believe how we can understand that this morning is this, is to disregard this message, to despise this message, to look down with contempt on this message that, that there should be something that we are doing because faith without works is dead, that there should be something that we are doing, training in, in righteousness, being disciplined. Listen, if we reject that, if we despise that, if we disregard that, we look down on that with contempt, is to unequivocally reject the purpose of redemption. 
Is if we just walk out of here and we say, man, I'm just too busy for that. I, I, I just, I can't, I can't do that. Listen, you are rejecting, not just this instruction. You are rejecting redemption. You were saved. You have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ for this purpose. This is what he's, this is what he's saying. Go, go back with me in verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, but also instructing us. By salvation, we are being instructed. So listen, I'm pleading with you. Don't despise this instruction. Not my, not my message, the word of God. Don't, don't despise this. Oh, what a gift we have been given by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's grow individually. Man, listen, this message is about healthy church members. I, I, I am seated right with you. I am a church member of First Baptist Church who happens to be the pastor. This is an area I need to grow in. Be more disciplined to hit the gym spiritually. To grow in righteousness. To grow in godliness. To grow in my walk with Christ. Oh, may we be faithful to do that. Man, listen, I, I want you to see the beauty of this text. Jesus Christ has come. He is the grace of God. The grace of God, it's grace. Oh, may you see the beauty of the grace of God. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. May you hear the grace. God has sent Jesus Christ to redeem you. And you're under the penalty of sin. Say yes to Him this morning. Give your life to Him this morning. Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.